millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. For Backpage, my name is Neil White, and this is the big interview with Graham Hunter, who for the final time this season is on the end of the line from Barcelona. We are going to start with predictions, and I want to talk about two. At the start of this season of the big interview, Graham and I went to Liverpool, and we spoke to James Milner, and James was good enough to go back to a rather painful memory, which was quite fresh for him at that time, which was last season's Champions League final. And as he talked about Sergio Ramos and Mo Salah and everything that he learned from Real Madrid's winning machine, you, mister, gave a prediction that... It was, I don't think it was just good manners, considering we were at Melwood and Liverpool were being very nice to us, but you predicted that they would get back there this season and that they would win. And then in our preview to... Saturday's final, in your conversation with Jonathan Northcroft, you said Liverpool would win and they would win by two goals. So congratulations, I hope you still have your betting slip. <laughs> yeah, thank, thanks very much. It's, it's just that pats on the back for predictions very quickly become knives in the back because predictions are very hard to get right. Otherwise, it'd be the punters who'd be rich and the bookies who wouldn't. I'd watched Real Madrid repeat arrive to the final. Never mind win. And... I thought, well, Liverpool have got just about everything that they've got. And um, I'd watched Klopp for a long time because a friend of mine has had clients regularly at Borussia Dortmund over the years. I'd spent a lot of time listening to people talking about him finally for the big interview. We'd met him, we'd listened to him. During the summer, last summer, irrespective of the respect I've got for the individual components of Liverpool's signing and selling machine... It was my perspective that had Liverpool had, um, and, and let's just leave out the fact that um, Carrius was was um, carrying concussion for parts of the final. If Liverpool had had an excellent goalkeeper, and if Liverpool had had Van Dijk for a little bit longer, and if Liverpool could sort out their midfield, then it was my opinion that they were on their day capable, simply capable of beating anybody in Europe. Two things guided me to make that um, prediction when I was sitting next to Milner. One was, I was absolutely sure, having watched Keita and Fabinho, that Liverpool had dramatically, dramatically changed their midfield. And that it was an improvement in, in savvy, 
in range of ability, particularly in the case of Fabinho in Champions League experience. Keita, I thought, gave them uh, a different kind of aggression and ball winning in midfield. And my, my honest feeling was that so long as there wasn't any massive tinkering or massive injuries, Liverpool definitely had everything they needed to get to the final again. And the other point was, I'm pretty sure it was off mic that I began to speak to James about the incident between Sergio Ramos and Musala. And I said, look, you know, rather than try to injure him, look at the position that um, Real Madrid find themselves in. There's over, I think it was Firmino who's over to the left. Salah, if he's got any room to pass, basically makes a breakthrough pass, which, you know, nine times out of ten is going to lead to a goal. And Ramos just does the thing that any hard-nosed, streetwise professional who's in the wrong position, it comes from a throw-in. Liverpool have taken it really quickly. Ramos goes, we're really in the soup here. This guy's going no further. And it happens to be that the fall is bad. And Milner agreed. You know, he knew exactly why Ramos had done it. This was still a, a pretty high furore of uh, <laughs> Ramos deliberately dislocate Salah's shoulder or whatever. And, and I was sitting watching a hard-nosed... This is a tough guy. For as much as he's bright and, and multilingual, as he proved at the weekend by speaking in Spanish on the pitch after winning, and, and irrespective of the, the, the dazzling career he's had, absolutely dazzling career... The fact that this guy was like, yeah, I know what happened there. We're, we're, we're over that. We know what happened there. We're not carrying out, oh, well, we were cheated or these guys went out and did <laughs> That hard-nosed, you better bet we'll be back. You better bet we've learned from that. You better bet we're carrying the knowledge of getting that far rather than the pain of, oh, it was, a, it was really difficult once you got to the summit. And I, I quoted it a couple of times during the season because having met and, and recorded with Andy Robertson, uh, Klopp, then Milner, and having watched and learned from their performances and, and the characters in their team, that's why I thought it wasn't a sort of flip of the coin, this will be nice to say. I, was, I saw absolutely no reason why they couldn't get back to the final again. And then once they reached the final, having been at... I mean, no harm to Spurs, but I was at the semi-final in Amsterdam. I watched really closely all across the pitch how they won that. I thought about the injuries. I genuinely thought that there would be a lack of cutting edge um, because it was evident that you know the Spurs people were saying that Harry Kane had had two weeks of training, therefore he was physically ready, but was he going to be ready to be the Harry Kane? I didn't think so. At any rate... Um, that's why I, th- I thought Liverpool, even under par, will win this. And look, hey, in the end, they did. I want to talk to you about something that relates to um, newspaper journalism. So on Sunday, as is my one after big games, I bought a whole ton of newspapers. And I'm going to read you the, uh, something from the man-by-mans. Do you want to describe the, the job a reporter gets when he is landed with a man-by-mans? You're one of a team there, you're sitting in the stand. Listen, in some cases in England and certainly in Spain, the man-by-man marking is done by some idiot sitting in an editorial desk doing it off the TV, which is a joke because you don't get any room to, to use your eye um, other than what the, the TV director's allowing you to do, which is just wrong. 
But anyway, resources in modern journalism mean that's the case, and effectively all you're asked to do is give a, a couple of par summary of what you think the player has or hasn't added to the game and give them a mark out of ten. Sometimes journalists haven't got the time to, to watch the game properly, and the guy, the guy who's doing the markings will just be like, oh, God, give him a six. <laughs> I think you're onto a theme here, because one newspaper that I won't name that I got a broadsheet it seems to me that the man by mans may have gone early as the people working at the newspaper tried to um, get, the, get the big pages done. So I'm going to read you just one of these man by mans. Alison, few better keepers on the planet, but during that tepid opening half, a Sunday league player would have kept a clean sheet six out of ten. Oh, yeah. All right. All right. You, now you've... You knew I was going to do this. You knew I was going to take the red rag. You've got to name the paper. It's the Sunday Telegraph. Ah, well, that explains everything, doesn't it, in that case? I I think you're deliberately doing this because not only is that a piece of nonsense, in my view, there was a lot of people who reckoned um, that Matip was man of the match. In the end, Van Dijk got the award. And and I wouldn't bitch at either of those things. And you bring me on a theme now because, in my view, as as well as uh, Van Dijk played and as well as Matip played, and I think Matip, people... I think, appreciated his positioning and his calmness and his use of the ball. And you can see that this was a, a performance that, that moved everybody on, not psychologically, but their perspective on, because for so long, um, Liverpool centre-halves has, have been a, a bone of contention. People thought that it was a bit of a, an Achilles heel and sometimes with Lovren a bit of a joke. And Matip has clearly been, and, and maybe Gomez in time will be too, um, a formidable partner for Van Dijk and therefore if people ultimately want to choose one or other of them for man of the match but when a keeper has to make as many saves as he does towards the end and if any of those go wrong and a couple of them were powder puff shots but to me Alisson apart from one you know nice catches early on when Liverpool aren't playing well and can't afford to be to, to generate nerves and give um, support people underestimate the value of a keeper who says, oh, I haven't had much to do, I haven't had much to do. I claim that, that's mine, which he did. Whenever he was called upon, good, his positioning to come for things uh, terrific. There was that one marvellous use of the ball where his, 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 his pass is, is long and swerving and, and that's part of the modern game. But when it gets torrid at the end, you know, the point that I come down to is neither Matip nor Van Dijk stop any of these shots being pummeled in on him. Okay, the very, probably in my mind, the very best save is from the free kick. That was why my contention was that if the keeper doesn't, if, if you just say, oh, he did his job, well, you know, so did Van Dijk and Matip. I, I, I valued what Alisson did on the night and I thought it was important. And I think had he wavered, had he given any hint of fallibility, failed to clutch, failed to keep, um, failed to palm things properly wide, as in the case of the free kick, Spurs would have just had that last little bit of gunpowder in their nostrils that as the end of the match came was the only thing they were lacking. So anyway, look, not only was it not a 6 out of 10, for my taste, that's why I placed him slightly above. And, and also I put Robertson on a par with Matip and Van Dijk. I thought Robertson was just exceptional. And, and there's the theme. You look at the kickoff. I really loved the way that um, Liverpool were like, you know, bare knuckle. We think Trippier is the weak link. So if you look at Henderson, I think I'm sure it's Henderson taking a kickoff. He waves Salah, coming close, coming close, takes the centre, kickoff at the start of the game, back to, I'm pretty sure it was Van Dijk, not Matip. 
and it's an immediate lump, Craig Levine style, NFL style. You know, everybody has piled up. You see Fabinho running from right to left. As soon as the ball goes back to central defence, the overload is down Liverpool's left, aiming at Trippier. And if you look at that, the ball is punted and Trippier wins it. And that's sort of five seconds in. And 15 seconds later, Mane is breaking down the left again and Sissoko's running back to uh, try and cover. And we'll come to the penalty in a minute. But... Liverpool just went, Trippier is the weak link. Simple as that. Trippier is the weak link. We overload there. We test him. And, you know, if, I skip, if I'm allowed to skip the two crucial moments, both really come from, you know, Trippier being at fault. Trippier isn't where he should be in terms of Mane. He's having to get back. Sissoko comes in and, and does his, like, um, you know, the guy who guides air, airplanes into land with his arms flying everywhere. He should have had an orange little bollard in his hand to wave the, wave the flight path. But... They've just gone, it's Trippier. We, we get into Trippier non-stop. Trippier's positioning when Origi scores is just outrageous. And the poor kid says after the final, yeah, I haven't been good enough all season. I understand why I've been dropped by England. It's down to me to get... So fair enough. I really like the way he's just confronted it, that he's had a bad season, that the World Cup has cast a hangover on him. I, I'm not being, you know, vindictively aggressive about him, but he was the... Ultimately, he was the difference between winning and losing that final. Without, without betraying too many secrets, I had a big conversation with somebody who helped plan what Liverpool did at the weekend. And he said, yeah, they, but they, they did exactly the opposite to us. And they, Spurs obviously targeted um, Trent Alexander-Arnold. And that's why I thought that you know, Robertson, has, has, in his job, had a significantly better game because Spurs went like, we can get at Trent Alexander-Arnold. And if you look back, you understand why, because he's outrageously talented athletic, clever, use of the ball, brilliant, but developing. And Spurs went after him. And I thought that if you look at his past completion, if you look at when, what kind of crosses he was able to get across the board, broadly, one, he wasn't as effective as his back four um, compatriots. And two, he wasn't necessarily quite at his level. The two teams went, right, we know, we know the points we're going to press at. And, um, and again, I say that's where, the, that's, where the, that's where the final turned, particularly in the case of Trippier. Poor kid. Well, let's talk about the first one of those moments. Um, your take on it, sort of in real time before you sort of saw the VAR, the VAR unwind and, you know, you saw it sort of slow down. And what do you think in real time? Penalty. Uh, and, 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 and then and now. And I, you know, it's just the, this is what I said before about Man of the Match. I, you know, I try to listen and I try to... And, and people I respect are like, well, how can that be a penalty? Or we don't want... All right, fine, but... Because I've been doing so much match commentary this season, I've gone back and tried to refresh myself over and over again about the rules because, you know, I'm not a referee and I am, you know, very fallible and therefore you you want to know the laws. And in January, UEFA's chief refereeing officer, Roberto Rossetti, said, when the arm is totally out of the body... Um, above the shoulder, it should be penalised. If the defender's making the body bigger in order to block the ball, it's not fair. We, none of us are mind readers. We can't, none of us can categorically say Musa Sissoko deliberately handled the ball when it bounced off his, his torso. So, and nor can the referee. But what you can do is say, was there any movement of the arm? Should the arm have been up there? Was the arm originally in a natural position? Do, uh, in terms of street wisdom, should you, as a player of that experience, 
be putting your hand up there. So in my opinion, if you apply all those criteria, number one, there was movement. Once the ball comes off his torso, his, his arm is moving towards the ball. Now, it doesn't actually say in the FIFA laws you can be penalised for stupidity, but I think it's implied. And when a referee can't read somebody's mind but sees the arm moving, he's entitled to say that's deliberate. There is no case at all to say it's not a penalty. I just find the whole debate ludicrous. It's a shame. It's a shame it happened to that fella. It's a shame he acted so stupidly. It's a shame it happened so early in a game where Spurs were patently the side that took longer to to get fresh because they, I think across the game they probably played the better football. I, I, listen, whether I've made my case or not, I, I just cannot understand in the moment or on, on, on revision how anybody can say it wasn't a penalty. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The two nines, or the two center forwards... Kane and Firmino, both um, in fitness races to make the final, their biggest match of their um, season, possibly of their careers to date. Both start, neither really kickable. I mean, where is the upside for this kind of call from a coach? How many times have you seen players rushed into big games and then for it not to work? And can you ever remember it working? So 
about 10 days before the final, I'm up in the office of um, big interview guest Steve Archibald, and we're talking about his his quest for glory to win the Walking World Cup. I still don't know if he did win the Walking World Cup at Orient this weekend or not. And he went, listen, he said, it's, it's occurred to me, he said, this is a bit weird. He said, um, yeah, this is Spurs' first European final since I won with them against Anderlecht in the UEFA Cup final. I scored my penalty. He said, but before that, he said that my previous European final was 86 with Barcelona. And he said, um, I got injured in the quarterfinal uh, while um, scoring and putting us through against uh, Juventus, which he did in uh, in uh, Stadio Comunale, playing against Laudrup and Gentile and flipping Platini and all that lot. And he was out, and he was out for the semi-finals. And his deputy was Pichi Alonso, and his deputy um, beat uh, Aberdeen's conquerors, Gothenburg. And he, he did so, Pichelonzo, by scoring a hat trick uh, to overturn what had been a, I think, a 3 0 defeat in Gothenburg, I think. And then Pichelonzo scored three in Brussels, one on penalties, if I remember correctly. And Steve was like, whoa. And then they brought me back. I went through, went to Amsterdam for the worst physio of my life under a physio called Richard Smith. And he said, I've never felt pain like that in my life, but I cut the the time I needed to be back. I was back in time for the final. Pichi Alonso got dropped. Terry picked me. And Steve Archibald has been furious to this day that he was that Harry Kane. He was that Firmino in that he got back at a time where he wasn't match fit, but he was playing and Steve being Steve. And he might even have said this in our interview when you were there in Barcelona, that he 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 still hasn't fully got rid of the rage that Terry Venables took him off with about 10 minutes left or something like that because he thought... And Steve was like, I'm only just getting my edge. You know, I'm competitive enough, although that I'm not match fit. That, this game, although I haven't been in my... I'm going to score, and I would have scored a penalty. So there are strikers who still... Um, and, and Steve was, you know, a wonderful striker. Spanish league, couple of Epic Cups, you know. He won the UEFA Cup with Spurs, legend at Spurs, legend at Barcelona, legend at Aberdeen, won the league with Aberdeen. He... He would have been. He would have been somebody who said, "Pick Harry Kane," and it failed. And Firmino was um, as innocuous. And I think that it's it'd be impertinent of, of you or me to say they should definitely have done X or Y because we know we all knew. And I bet you every socio, every listener to the big interview now knows that it isn't about whether you're physically fit. It's about whether you're competitively fit. And I think it proved that neither of them were. But, you know, neither you nor I had seen the training. And it might be that in training, Poch didn't feel he was taking a risk. He might have, Kane might have looked competitive in training. Might have. It didn't work. It didn't work. But I'll tell you what got to me more. And now I'm going to betray, um, not quite a secret, but something I think people don't know. Before Niko Kovac got the job at Bayern Munich, their football director, who is Hassan Salehamidzic, who was, you know, a brilliant player for Bayern for a long time, played in that 99 final against uh, Manchester United and now, like, Abidal at Barcelona, for example. He's their director of football. And when they knew that there was a coaching appointment coming up and when they knew that, I think probably for the moment that Ancelotti didn't um, continue, they started looking at Pochettino. 
And the thing, apart from having to deal with Daniel Levy or whether there was a buyout clause or not, the thing that they went, no, we're going to wait until he matures as a coach. The thing they said was this. Over and over again, we go to matches where we see things um, from our technical point of view that Spurs should make a tactical change or a strategic change or even just a, call it a, a change of personnel because it isn't always strategic. Somebody might not be having the game of their life and blah, blah, blah. And their verdict, Salah Mijic said specifically, was that they viewed Poch as relentlessly being slightly too slow to read a game and make a change. Now, I'm going to not, not boast here, I'm just going to tell the truth. At halftime, I was thinking, right, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And it just so happens that one of Barcelona's executives who was in the main stand texted me to say, are you here? What do you think? God, how do we miss out on this? This isn't, you know, Liverpool haven't been as good today as they were against us, blah, blah, blah. And I texted back after about, it was about 55 minutes into the game. And to me, it was just as clear as day. Uh, Winks off, Ericsson back, Moura on. And to me, it was screaming. It was just screaming at you because in midfield, Liverpool weren't all that. They didn't look right. Whatever was going on, they looked a little bit flat. They weren't having either the momentum or the intensity or the power or the passing. You know, particularly, I thought, um, Wijnaldum, I would have thought. And up front, Spurs needed outlets. They needed somebody running into space. They needed somebody who could take the ball at his feet and run at players. Ericsson could have dropped back into midfield. Ericsson not having much of a game. Ericsson being given moderate possession, but equally looking a little bit as if he wanted to, rather than occasionally having his back to go, he wanted to see the game and be able to release passes. Automatically, that's the game that he could have played sitting next to Sissoko. And you have Maura as a complementary asset to him. So if Ericsson becomes the mini quarterback, Maura is giving him things and making space for Harry Kane. The, the, whole, the whole jigsaw fits, in my opinion. It was, just, it was just blindingly obvious. And before Pochettino makes that change on 66, Liverpool make two changes. One is yours, Firmino off and Origi on. And the other one is in midfield. I'm pretty sure it was Milner on. So they add urgency. They add pace. They change the direction of the game with Milner in midfield. They, they, they alter the conditions into which Ericsson is dropping backs to allow Muro to come on and Winks to go off. And the, not, the moment is not entirely gone, but the advantage is not seized. The advantage of seeing that, it's just too slow. And Klopp makes two really good changes, irrespective of what Origi does late in the match. He adds vitality and pace. He's dragging Sissoko another way. He's testing the back four differently. He's closing down differently. Liverpool suddenly pump up their energy by 60-70% before po I think Poch is utterly, utterly brilliant. Inspirational. I think that what he's done um, for Spurs in repeatedly taking them into the Champions League and now taking them to a final and given what he's earned and the way in which he's managed the process of not only no signings, but serious injuries, getting the team to understand not only a playing style, but a philosophy and helping all the Spurs personnel and fans handle the, you know, the hokey-cokey about the stadium. I, th I think he's been unbelievable 
these these last two years. But if we if we're allowed to shine in our focus light on Trippier or Trent Alexander Arnold or whoever in a final, I I think number one. That's that's one of the ways in which they they lost the final because they were coming into their game, they were probably passing it better, their overloads were cleverer, they were gaining space, they just didn't have the spark to light the fire, and there it was. But Klopp saw it first. Pep gets a video digest to himself to choose what he wants to show to his players, created by his own analysts in real time. But they've got staff, they've got David Lean cast of millions. Do you know what I mean? And them folk running across the, the desert in behind Peter O'Toole, they're all going like, shoot now, get off your camel. No, watch your feet, it's hot down there. Have a drink first. All the information's there. I think it's a point of, I'm going to say it's a point of development. Good, development. Let's talk about that. I mean, you've already talked about the journey that Liverpool went on the 12 months from the last final to this one. In terms of Spurs, I mean, if you look at them, do you, do you see an opportunity for growth and development to add to that squad, to retain the manager, you know, to fill that stadium every second weekend? Or do you think, oh, hang on, you've got to be careful because you might lose the manager, you might lose two or three key players, and then you know, you're taking one step forward and three steps back? Yeah, listen, it's, that's crystal ball time. I don't know. I th- I, we do know that Daniel Levy has, given how close he came to, to securing Christian Pulisic, um, we know that there is money for both wages and transfers available. Pochettino has said that there is, and I think that reading between the lines of everything he's said um, over the last few weeks, not just on Saturday night, his his tremor is, OK, uh, how much of it will I get? How, how much of it will, apply, will be applied in the right way at the right time? So there is an opportunity, and it's gigantic, because, you know, while there'll be bonuses for the players... You don't pay win bonuses if you don't win it, and therefore, you know the amount of money that Spurs get from the the win fees from the Champions League, but also the the, the television pot. They won't get the you know statistically they won't get the just unbelievably big advantage that Juventus had um, because when Juventus reached the final a, a couple of times and lost. They were the only Italian, in one occasion, they were the only Italian team to get out of the group. And therefore, the TV, your share of the TV pot is monumental. Now, unfortunately for Spurs, they were playing an English side in the final. And City got through to the, what, the quarterfinals. So, you know, the the pot, the share of the pot is going to be slightly less. But, the, you know, they're going to take in gross. I'd imagine they're going to take in 95 million or 100 million from this Champions League run. And while there'll be bonuses to people, there won't be win bonuses, which is what, you know, piranha fishes away your your financial advantage. So there is an opportunity, and it's patently clear that, as as Duncan McMath said on this channel um, on, I think, Saturday morning, if you lump together the, the unbelievable quality of the training ground and the stadium and the coach, if they can maintain him, and the bulk of the squad, because I have no doubt that we'll see at least one fullback, maybe two moved on. Um, I have no doubt whatsoever that Pochettino will be asking for the the type of filigree that um, Liverpool added. You know, they will, in my opinion, they will look for their Fabinho and their Keita. Now, it won't be all, but if we didn't see 
a couple of midfielders and a couple of full-backs, then I'd be pretty surprised. And, and I think for a couple of seasons now, irrespective of Son's brilliance and Moura's hat-trick, they need, it. They need another front-line striker. I wanted to ask you what difference getting to the top of the mountain makes from a recruitment point of view. Are there any players who Liverpool wouldn't have been in the market for before winning that are on the table now? Does that make any sense to you? you know? I, I think... I, I understand you exactly. And I think if you look at um, the trend, even since I was in working in London in, in daily journalism, the trend has been that for Manchester United... Manchester City before their current owners, Liverpool, Everton, it's becoming harder every year to say, come and live in the northwest. It just is. The world is changing. It shouldn't be, but it is. When, when, um, when Peter Kenyon was in charge at Manchester United and offered one price to the president of PSG in those days, in 2002, three, three, let's say, Francis Gray, I think it was, when he offered him one price and then faxed him a different lower price when he got back to... Um, Old Trafford and literally I, I got phoned and told about it I phoned and told a, a friend who phoned and told Sandra Rosé and Sandra Rosé phoned up Ronaldinho thinking well if the deal's not done do you want to go and live in a city where it rains all the time that was in 2003 and Ronaldinho went well you know I, I thought I was going there but seeing as it slowed down yeah that climate thing Cristiano Ronaldo in Cardiff, the night before the final against Juve, visited in his, his room by ex-teammates, one of whom, you know, I spoke to, who said, um, he said then, which was a year before he left, uh, I'd play for Manchester United if it was situated in Spain or any other country. I can't, you know, I'd love to go back to Manchester United, how they treated me, how life was. I'd love to do that now. And look where he went, you know, he ends up in blooming um, Piedmont where... You know, in Turin, the winter is grey and cold. But nonetheless, it doesn't rain like it does in Manchester. And Ronaldo went, I can't go back to that weather. Now, I use all of this because Liverpool's recruitment, I, I genuinely think that we're watching brilliance in how they buy, sell, and what the net sums involved are. And, and they've not been able to say, you're coming to a title winner. They've not been able to say, you're coming to London or Paris, or Barcelona, or Madrid, which is now the lingua franca for the elite players. And yet they've recruited, re repeatedly recruited elite players who others perhaps haven't quite seen. And therefore their persuasiveness, the worth of the idea, the worth of the project, the worth of their discourse, not just their wages, because I refuse to believe that they, that they are the elite pair. In fact, they're not the elite pair in England. You know, they're up there. And therefore, Neil, it's, I think it's an obvious, from your point of view, now that they've finished in two Champions League finals, won one of them, and been a point off Manchester City, who've ripped up records, then if, if Liverpool were already good at recruiting the right people at the right time, whether they've had to mass, not mass recruit, but over, do the overhaul thing, or do the filigree thing, then of course right now, they're even more powerful. And in some clubs, that might go to your head. And I think this staff won't. I think they'll be on the ball. And I think that they... I think as good as City are, I think that Liverpool... That thing about Klopp saying me and Pep have phoned each other and played kissy-kissy over the telephone line, but we're going to kick each other's butts next season again. I think that's true. 
You know, I sign up for it. And I thought Liverpool last season would win the title. And, and I'm not going to say such a thing until I watch the summer now, because I think the, for both sides, the summer is now all important as to who gets the edge. There was a, a lot of anticipation around this final expectation that it was going to produce an exciting match with lots of goals, these two buccaneering teams going at each other. It's not how it panned out. It was quite a disappointing game. What do you think the reasons for that are? You know, for, let's not go into all the, the flaws of the Premier League football right now, but it, it's patently not all that underneath the top three or four, or maybe even under the top three. It's still a massive amount of organisation and momentum and money and marketing and brilliant stadia and really good television coverage. But at, at the bottom line, there's still a paucity of, of the brilliance of football that we've seen from Spain over the last 15 years. Yeah, one thing you can't argue is that um, Spurs had the wit and the, and, the, and the street fighting ability to get themselves through. Having been pumped by Barcelona at Wembley, they go to Camp Nou and they get through one way or the other. They get through on a couple of occasions before they even outrun and outwork Ajax. Liverpool you know, literally blow Barcelona away. And one of the things that you see all season in England is, are you ready for us? Are you ready for this? And I, I sometimes turn away from it because it doesn't have the wit or the intricacy or the technique, but you cannot deny everybody's ability across the division to look at each other in the eye and go, are you ready for me today? And we asked them to be at that peak, you know, the kettle at boiling point. The kettle's at boiling point, and then you switch the kettle off for, what, three weeks, and then you go, oh, I want to have a nice cup of tea, and the water's tepid. It's just wrong to ask players to be at that fever pitch for, what is it, Neil, 10 months? Anyway, for, certainly from the, the beginning of August through to whatever it was, halfway through May when they finished. And then click your fingers and say, come on, give us a spectacle. And also do yourself justice. It's not even about the spectator. There'll be players at Arsenal. There'll be players at Spurs. There'll be one or two players, I think, at Liverpool going, well, you know, I got to the final, but I didn't do myself justice. Or I won the medal, and, but I didn't do myself justice. So the viewing public and the, uh, our, how much we do or don't merit a spectacle is my secondary concern because nobody's talking about the footballers. Nobody's talking about how we squeeze them like wet dish rags until there's nothing left in them. And we get the whip out and we say, you know, go on, it's circus time again, perform. I didn't like that. I didn't like it. Players exhausted mentally and physically, reaching for third gear, not finding it. The heat. It, I, I, there, there was a lot I didn't like about And all right, the, the, the scheduling, maybe everybody says, oh, not my fault, Gov. Well, whose? it wasn't right it wasn't right and never mind us <laughs> certainly Liverpool fans don't mind Clockwell doesn't mind they've got their trophy fabulous but you know I, I worry for what we ask of our players you know they, they, we're sending them off to a t tournament that didn't exist next so who are the four teams certainly Holland certainly England I think pff, must be Portugal because it's hosted there and, and I forget who else you know the, the Europa League didn't used to be or the UEFA Cup didn't used to be as big as the Europa League is now um, the, the speed with which teams have to travel abroad and be performing for sponsors 
um, when the Asian or American tours come. Th that didn't used to be quite so early in the year. It didn't used to be so unrelenting. There's now this season for, you know, for our younger players. There's another under-21 tournament. There's Copa America. Leo Messi won't stop again. You get utter, just con contemptible halfwits proposing that the, the Qatar World Cup is, what, was it? Is it 340 teams or 450 teams? Do you know what I mean? Oh, well, we can't, we can't have it in summer like we said we could because we were going to air condition all the stadiums. And now we're just going to abandon the, you know, the bid and the, the terms upon which it was staged. And we're going to rip up the European... Oh, well, ripping up the European season. Does that, in, does that impact on the players now long they'll have to play? Or does it? Oh, well, tough titty. Anyway, look, tough titty or not. Maybe, Neil, maybe that's enough ranting for me to close what's been a beautiful season, a season when we've we've been awarded, I suppose, our first ever silver medal. Uh, so thank you to the British Podcast Awards. The reason I'm ranting, I suppose, is that when we saw those semi-finals, which were utterly extraordinary, I'm convinced that in each occasion there was a degree to which the unbelievable thrills, the unbelievable turnovers that we saw between first leg and second leg had something to do with one team being tottering on its legs uh, physiologically, psychologically, and the other team being harder and quicker and saying, we'll be daring, we'll overcome this um, deficit. And I wrote about the thrills and spills of the Champions League in the Champions League programme. For anybody who thinks of that, and I think it's a beautiful document, um, a beautiful book almost, anybody who thinks of it as a, as a souvenir they'd like, and particularly for Liverpool fans who now want something from that final when the club's sixth European Cup was lifted. Um, I wrote for it, but it's, it's just worth having, and you can still order a copy of the Champions League final programme and the Europa League match programme from European hyphen Knights dot com anyway enough of all that Neil um, from my part you and Martin are the guys who came up with this idea we finished our third season it seems to have been a damn good idea I've enjoyed it I want to fervently say thank you to everybody who's listened, particularly the socios who've been with us, who've supported. You feel like part of a family. I hope you feel that we look out for you, that we think of you, we listen to your questions. I hope, we, I hope you feel that we communicate with you. If you don't, I'm not just saying that as sort of words in the wind, tell us. If you do, if we do, if you feel that we do do that, then by all means, tell us again and we'll see you again um, next season, which isn't very far away. Point I was making before. Um, so I want to say thank you to Bet365. who have been, you know, wonderful, witty, um, supportive sponsors who make some of our um, video presentations on uh, Twitter look very uh, sharp indeed. Very, I don't know, Eisenstein, uh, Battleship Potemkin, Battleship 365, let's call it. Um, to you, Neil, to Martin, for all your hard work, for your ingenuity, for your wit in how to handle situations, to all the guests, to the footballers of various different hues and cries who've said, yeah, I'll talk to you. Thanks. It's been emotional. Thank you. 
Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.